Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. It never fails. Whenever we plan to make changes in our lives, that's when things come out of nowhere to knock us off course. In today's message, Restoration Roadblocks, our guest minister, Brian Hunter, shares how denial, shame, and fear conspire to keep us from being made new in Christ. This message was recorded in the historic Forest Park in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm going to ask that you guys turn to John 11 and 44. John 11 and 44. And say hey to the virtual audience. Thank you guys for, for joining today. Um, stick with us. Stick with us. All right. So if you have it, say amen. <clears throat> and the word of God reads, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with gray clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. And the focus of this message, this, this talk we're going to have today, is going to come from the C portion of that scripture. And it says, Jesus said to them, Loose them, loose him, and let him go. Lord God, we thank you right now for this moment, God, that we do not take lightly. We do not consider it, Lord God, by coincidence that you have us here right now in this park, God. There is someone out here who needs to hear your voice. There is someone out here who needs to know who you are. Father, and I ask that you bring about clarity, understanding, God, let the hearts be made hearts to receive, Lord Jesus. Let your word penetrate like never before. Somebody is on the verge of taking their life, God, but you are here. Your power and your presence is here. God, and we bless you for your love today. Now, God, anoint me. Give me clarity. Help me to deliver what you have given me for your people. We bless you and we thank you. And everyone say, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we, one of the things we're dealing with, we're all dealing with the, the aftermath of 2020, right? Across this entire planet, everyone is dealing with the aftermath of 2020. No one was prepared to deal with what we are dealing with today. And this is across the world, across the planet, not just the U.S., but every country known to man, has, is dealing with the aftermath of 2020. The 2020 has left us with so many losses. We, we have lost jobs and marriages and relationships. Finances have been impacted. Some businesses have closed down because of 2020. And even some friends and family members have passed away. They died. And so 2020 has left us all in a place where we need restoration. We got areas in our life that are requiring and are in desperate need of restoration. But listen there, it's not just any kind of restoration. We're looking for God's restoration, amen? We're looking for restoration from God. And the reason why we need God's restoration it's simply because the Bible tells us 
in Proverbs 10 and 22, that the blessings of the Lord, the blessings of the Lord, the stuff that he does for you, it makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. So in other words, what that is telling us is that whatever God restores to us, whatever God gives us, we're good. Turn to someone and say, we good. We good, yeah, we good because no one can bring sorrow to anything that God restores, amen? And so today I really want to talk to you guys about the, the three roadblocks. There are three roadblocks that get in our way and that I want you to be consciously aware of when it comes to your restoration experience. Three roadblocks, all right? And for thought today, I want to say restoration roadblocks. Say that after me, restoration roadblocks. Restoration yeah, and for some thought, I want you to say, turn to your neighbor and say, restoration. It ain't what you think. Now, I know that ain't correct grammar, but it is what it is. Say it again, restoration. It ain't what you think. You know, we looking at these roadblocks, Vertava Health tells us that uh, millions of people deal with these same three reasons as to why they do not seek help when they are dealing with addictions, drug addictions. These three roadblocks, and they go on to say that millions right here in the United States, yes, in the United States alone, suffer from addiction, but only a small percentage of them go into treatment. And, and, and even when you think about restoration, restoration can be challenging because it, it can be intimate, it can be private. No one's, no one's out here in the park yelling out, hey, this is where my life is, this is what I got problems with, this is where I'm hurting. So it can become very intimate and private, and, and that can be a roadblock in itself. But I want to tell you guys today, this will change your life if you listen to it, that there are three roadblocks that have been the roadblocks to people receiving restoration from God, all right? And those three roadblocks are denial, Shame and fear. Say those with me. Denial, shame, and fear. And see, these three roadblocks are still messing with us even to this day. These roadblocks came on the scene back in the Garden of Eden. Y'all remember in the garden when Adam sinned, right? He sinned, he ate the forbidden fruit. We're not going to go through that story, but you, you've heard about it. If you haven't heard about it, read it. But listen, God, before Adam even came into a position to where he was sinning, God had took Adam to a course at Eden University. Anybody from Eden University out here today? No, you not Listen, he took him through a course at Eden University, courts was called when life ain't good, one-on-one. When life ain't good, one-on-one. So he took him through this course. You know, Genesis 2 and 18 tells us that Adam, he went through the process. And so God looked upon his life. The Bible says that the Lord looked at Adam. He looked at it and he said, it is not good 
for a man to be alone. And so when you think about that word, it, he's talking about Adam's life. He's saying life ain't good for man to be alone. His life ain't good for man to be alone. So God said, Adam, I'm going to take you through this one-on-one course. I'm going to teach you the process of what you do when you're dealing with a life ain't good situation. And there are three things. You may want to write them down, put them in your phone, put them in the chat. There are three things that God taught Adam. One was he has to sleep, say sleep. Second was he has to give, say give. The third was receive, say receive. Yeah, so what Adam had to do is he had to sleep. And sleep, all that is, is trusting in God. I don't care how tired you are, how sleepy you are, you will not go to sleep anywhere if you don't trust the environment that you're in. You can be up for 24 hours a day. And I know there are some people out here right now who are looking for just a little sleep. You're tired, but I guarantee you this. If you are in a place that you do not trust, you will not go to sleep. Your body will kick in. Adrenaline will begin to pump it. Go and go on to the metro link, 12 midnight, with a bunch of thugs. So a bunch of people who you feel like they may do me some harm. I don't care how tired you are, you ain't going to sleep. But in order for you to sleep, I think about a little boy. Hey, I even think about myself. I know my mother and father used to take us on a car ride. And they say that will put us to sleep. And some of you all probably have done that with your own kids. Put them in the car, put them in the back seat, and they go to sleep. They go to sleep. And so what happens is they're sleeping because they're trusting. Daddy has drove me on roads where there were no lights, right? No lights. I, I couldn't see anything. And, and sometimes when I could see, you might see bombs and thugs and, and, every, and everybody on the side of the road. But I was able to go to sleep because I was in an environment that I trusted. I'm in my daddy's car. I trust my daddy. So I was able to rest and go to sleep. The second thing you must do is give. Give. So Adam learned that God had to take something from him. So he had to give it to God. And see, oftentimes when we give things to God, We've all been guilty of this. We give it to God, but then we keep our hand on it. We give it to God, we keep our mouth on it. You, we say that so casually, I'm just going to leave this with God. But what happens is you find yourself right over God's shoulder. One thing I can't stand is if somebody asks me to do something, let me do it. If you ask me to play the song, let me play the song. If you ask me to, sing, if you ask me to write a let me write it. Don't stand over my shoulder. Don't, don't keep your hand on it because what happens is you slow down the process. You halt the process. And you, you wonder why you keep dealing with the same situation because you got your hands on something that it can't even fix. Our hands were not designed to do certain things. That's why we need God. So you have to give it to him and let it go. And the third but not last thing you must do is receive. Receive God when he took the real from Adam. The Bible tells us that he brought back something greater. Amen. All, all the men in the house know what he brought, brought it back, right? He presented him with a woman. That's right. 
He didn't present him with another man. He told him that it was not good for him to be alone. And see, right there, people who can hear my voice, if God wanted Adam to be with a man, he would have brought him up. He would have brought Steve instead of Eve. Come on, somebody. He would not have brought a woman. So by the fact that God brought a woman and presented a woman to man, that indirectly says whose God pick is. So he had to receive it. But oftentimes when God gives us something, it becomes hard for us to receive it. God blesses with a job. It's hard to receive it. You know, Seth, when Seth was born, my, my son and uh, I remember coming from the hospital. We had him at home. God had given us a baby. It was a blessing, right? A baby is a blessing. And so here I am stressing about the blessing. Why is he breathing like that? Is he okay? Do we need to take him back to the hospital? So my wife had to say, he's fine. It's okay. He's good. He's all right. But here I am. God has given me something. And it's hard for me to receive it because I'm, I'm not following that process of when God blesses you. Can someone say amen? So when we look here, Adam gets to a point to where he sins, right? He messes up. And, and we, we all mess up sometime or another. We all mess up. There is no perfect man or woman on the face of this planet. And so Adam got into a position, he sinned, he messed up. And so instead of him turning to the process, I told you he just went through Eden 101, Eden University, right? When life ain't good, situation 101, he took the class, he passed it, he got his certificate on how to handle life when you're having bad situations. But here it is, Adam, he sins, he messes up. And instead of him turning to God and the process that he had learned, he turned to these three roadblocks, denial, shame, and fear. I told you those are the same three roadblocks that people deal with to this day when they are dealing with addictions. So he turned to denial that he was still in the presence of God and that God's power was greater than his situation. He, he turned to, to shame because of the sin he committed, the mistake he made, the stench that was created from it. It was stinking. And so he turned to shame because of his situation having an order. And last but not least, he turned to fear, fear to engage God, fear as to what would happen after getting God into his situation. So he, he sinned and he turned to those three roadblocks. And here's the truth, y'all. These same three roadblocks have been messing with generation after generation, after people, after group, after everyone on this planet since the Garden of Eden. Everyone today deals with denial, shame, and fear. So what I would like to do right now, everyone that can hear me, I just want to tell you a quick story. A story in the Bible about two sisters, all right? These two sisters, Martha and Mary, 
Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary. Mary that I'm talking about is the one who anointed the Lord Jesus with fragrant awe. She anointed him with awe. And you may even remember hearing that this lady in the Bible got down and with her long hair, I don't have long hair anymore, but she got down with her long hair and wiped his feet. All right? And, and so they had a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus, he lived in a town called Bethany. Now, the thing about Lazarus was he was really sick, y'all. He, he had worse than COVID. I know we've seen a lot of people here today dealing with that, running from that. But Lazarus was very sick, and he was about to die. But the one thing I want to let you know about Jesus and their relationship, the Bible says that Jesus loved him. He loved them. He was friends with them. He had visited them before. He had eaten at their home before. So they, they was cool. They was tight like that. It wasn't the same kind of love that you just have for humanity, but it was a love from relationship. Love from relationship. And so Jesus was, was off with his disciples, and they were doing their thing. They were doing their mission. And Jesus gets a call and says, hey, Lazarus is sick and about to die. And so the disciples are like, oh, man, let's go. Let's go. And God said, Jesus said, hey, this sickness, this ain't going to kill him. It's not unto death, but it's from the glory of God that the Son of God will be glorified through it. And so they were like kind of puzzled a little bit. They're like, okay. Whatever you say, whatever's clever, we with you, Jesus. We on your team. Let's roll. Let's do what we do. And so here it is. He's gotten his call. And he waited. The Bible says that Jesus, for his friends, the ones he loved, the ones that sent his 911 call to him. The Bible says he chilled out for two more days in the place that he was at. Two more days. And so after the two days, he said, let's roll. Let's, 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 let's stand up. Let's go. And so they walk and they go on. They walk and they go on. They head to Bethany. And before they get there, Martha, she runs out. She's coming. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, man, if you had been here, Lazarus would still be alive. He would still be here. My brother would still be alive. So she's hurt, y'all. She's hurt. But then she says this. She says, but I know now, even if you ask, whatever you ask of God, he will give you. So here it is. Martha's brother is dead, right? She's hurting. She's talking to Jesus. But then her faith kicks in. Somebody say faith. And she starts talking big faith. She's talking big faith. Because she says, even now, I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And, and it's, it is funny, y'all. It's so funny how when you have a relationship with Christ, you have a relationship with God, you know him, you, you have prayed to him, you talk to him, all right? And, and you hit a situation, your default is to quote scripture. 
What the Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The Bible says that I am the head and not the tail. And we all go to Romans 8, 28. Uh, for we know all things. We, we quote those scriptures, right? When we have a situation. But what Martha does next lets me know that, that she shares the same thing that we share. Jesus tells her, he says, Martha. Because they got his attention. When she said all this big faith talk, that God will do what you want him to do right now, Jesus, even though my brother is dead, even though he's been dead, he will do what you want him to do right now. So that gets Jesus' attention. He says, Martha, your brother will rise again. But here's where denial starts kicking in. Martha's response to him after all this big faith talk Let's us know that her ideas of restoration are not aligned with that of Christ. Because she says, well, I'm going to deny your power right now. And I'm just going to tell you that uh, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Even though I just told you, whatever you ask now, God will do it. I'm letting you know from my situation, what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through, he's not going to do that right now. I can believe that for my neighbor or for the person across the street that's dealing with an issue or my cousin or boo-boo and knock-knock them. I can believe God for them. But when it comes to my house, it's going to happen after the world ends, after the rapture comes. So this gets God's attention again. Jesus said, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me shall live. And he asks her this. He calls around and he says, Martha, do you believe this? Now, listen, he wasn't talking about, do you believe your brother's going to rise again? But what he was talking about, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And that those who believe in me shall live again? And so the question I'm asking Everyone out here, whether you're on the field, whether you're standing on the line, sitting in your cars, do you believe? Do you believe that God has all power in his hand? Do you believe? Do you believe? If you believe, say, I believe. I believe. Now, that was kind of weak. Let me hear it from everybody out here. I believe. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we believe. We believe that. God has the restoration power to do what needs to be done in our situation. So Martha is dealing with denial, right? So Jesus moves on a little bit further, and then here comes Mary. Y'all know Mary as the foot lady, right? Because she can be out at his feet. She gets down at his feet, and she's the one who did what? Anointed him with fragrant oil and wiped her hair with his feet. So Mary runs out there and she pops to the ground. Pow! Jesus, oh God, she's doing the same thing, Martha. Had you been here, my brother would still be alive. Had you been here? Now she didn't go into the big faith talk like Martha did, her sister did. And, and you know, that's just like us. And when you think about that, she has done so much. Even when she took her hair and wiped his feet. They talked about her. Look at all the money 
that, that could have been used to help somebody else. A year's salary. Look, look at her doing this. Look at you out here in this park having church. What's wrong with you? But when your situation comes, you need to stand strong for God. You need to stand strong for God. And so Mary, she said, had you been here, Jesus, he would not have died. And she's crying. She's crying. Now, I want to tell you this. The truth of the matter is this. Same thing with COVID and everything else we're dealing with today. Whether God initiated or allowed it, he's in control. Whether he initiated or allowed it, he's in control. And, and, and the one thing that you have to understand is that when you get at the feet of God, that is demonstrative of one or two heart intentions. Let me say that again. Whenever you get down at God's feet, you are demonstrating one of two heart intentions. What are you talking about, man? Okay, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked that, right? You have to ask yourself this question right here. Am I at his feet blaming God or believing God? Am I down there hoping that he will hold me together or trying to hold him accountable? Same posture, but two totally different heart positions. All right? And so the Bible tells us right there in John 11, verse 32, that, that she was taking the position of blaming God. Because the very next scripture after that said, said Jesus began to weep. He began to weep, and, and the Bible says that his spirit groaned. You know, it's something when you see someone crying, but, but to see Jesus weeping and his spirit groaning, that hurt him. Have you ever been so hurt to where your spirit, the core inside of you, just was groaning? You wanted to curl up. You wanted to bark. You wanted to give up. But the next thing that Jesus says sets the stage for shame. So what Jesus tells them to do, take me where you have laid him. And this, this sets up the stage for shame to expose their situation to God. And so the Bible tells us, John eleven thirty nine. They they took him right before eleven thirty nine. They took him to where the, the body was laid, and see, they were okay with it, right? They were okay with taking him to the place where they gave up. This is the place that we said Lazarus' life is over. We gonna bury him. We done. They was okay with that. They was okay with taking him to the place where they all quit believing. And see, we get that same bit about us. We're okay with taking people to the place where we gave up. That's every time we talk about the woulda, coulda, shoulda, all of that. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the regret. Man, I wish I woulda. Man, I shoulda. Man, if I coulda. I don't know if y'all seen Napoleon Dynamite, but Uncle Rico, yeah, if Coach would have just put me in the game, you know, 1985 game, I would have been a millionaire today and had all the ladies I want. 
what are you talking about regret? The coulda, woulda, shouldas. The place where you gave up. And it's okay. You guys get okay. We get okay with talking about that. All right? We get okay with talking about that because that's the place where we gave up. And so Jesus, when he says next, blew their mind. He gets there. They're crying. There are people all around. His disciples are with him. And the next thing he says is, move the stone away. Whoa. So Lazarus' his body, right? Listen, listen. Lazarus' body is in the grave. And in that day when they buried someone, they would put them in a tomb. And then they would put a big stone in front of them to, to keep the animals out, to let the body just decompose and, and go away to the dust. And he didn't go in there and visit the bodies. This was not the way, okay? This was not the funerals where you come by, look over in the casket, and, and keep moving. This was the place where it, it's sinking in there. It's sinking. Have you ever had your lights uh, go off? The, the, whether Aaron did it or whether your pocketbooks didn't do it, have you ever been in a situation to where your lights, your electricity was off? And your meat in your refrigerator started stinking. And it's a smell you like. Pull your head back, put it in a bag, drop it. Sometimes you'll take it away from the house and go throw it somewhere. Because it's stinking. It's rotting. It's an awful smell. No one wants to be around that. And it's the same thing with those regrets that we deal with. We don't want people going too deep into that. See, we're okay with getting them to the place. But when you start talking about rolling the song away, when you start talking about exposure, exposure, let me see it. Let's dig into it. You know, that's the reason why you, you have a marriage that is on the rocks. And instead of you turning to God, you start turning to an exit strategy on how to get a divorce. Your business is about to fold in. Instead of you turning to God, because it's so stinky, you do what we call move on. You bury. Say bury. But God says, roll the stone away. And so at this point, the Bible tells us that when he said take the stone away, Sister Martha, who talked all this big faith, I told you in the beginning, she said, God, even what you ask right now, I know that God will give it to you if you just ask Jesus. This same Martha runs to Jesus. Hey, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're asking to take this stone away, and by this time, there is a bad odor. Why? Not one, not two, not three, but he's been dead for four days. Somebody say four days. Four days, he's dead then. Four days, he's stinking, stinking. Four days, you don't want to go by where that place is. And there are so many things in our life right now that we have potentially, and so we call, moved on from that we don't want to open them back up. It's some stuff that we're embarrassed about. It's some stuff that we are ashamed of. There are some things right now, if I could tap into your mind, that you would say, nope. I'm taking that to my grave. No, nobody won't know about it. As a matter of fact, I tell myself it didn't happen because I'm taking it to my grave because it stinks. It stinks. But people of God, you are in the presence of the resurrection and the life. And all he is asking us to do is roll his soul away. 
Throw your soul away. So what's speaking in your life right now? What's speaking in your life right now to the point where you don't want anyone to get in there? You don't want anyone to know about that because you believe the stench is bigger than God. You believe the stench has more power than his word. God said that you will be delivered. And today what he is saying right now, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what addiction you may have or be struggling with. Even if your parents were at the place where now you are repeating the same things that they did. God is saying, I am here. Do not deny my presence nor my power. He's saying, your situation, the stench of it is not greater than my love. The stench of it is not greater than my grace. The stench of it is not greater than my mercy. He's saying, just say yes to me today. Say yes. And so then that brings us to where God, Jesus sets the stage for the next thing to come up. And it's one thing we deal with this roadblock so much. Oh, my God. Somebody say, help, Lord. Fear. Ah, fear. Fear of the restoration process and what happens after engaging God in your situation. Fear. Say fear. John 43 and 44 says, now, when he had said these things, when he had said these things, he told them to move the stone away, all right? They moved the stone away. Martha was trying to stop her, her brother, and everyone else around from seeing the move of God. And let me just say this. When God does a move in your life, your family will begin to challenge you. The people that are close to you will begin to challenge you. You sure you want to do that? You sure you want to quit your job and start a business? You're going to lose your union benefits. You're going to lose, you know, you get a paycheck every week now. You know, you're going to lose that. You have a job. And a job is just overbroke. I'm just going to be honest with you. A job is not your passion. It's not what you're called to, but it's just overbroke. It's just to get you by. But when you start operating in what God has put down in you, the, the windows of heaven, man, will open up and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain because you're operating in your bent. And you don't have to be ashamed of that. You don't have to be fearful of that. And so the scripture says that when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, Lazarus, dead, I told you, four days. Mark already said, he's thinking, don't go in there, he's dead. Don't, don't even roll the stone away because it's such a smelly situation. When he heard the voice of God, let me tell you something about the voice of God. Even the dead must respond. I heard a song that Maverick City, they said, even the dead must respond to the voice of God. The deaf, those who cannot hear, they must respond to the voice of God. The dumb, 
they must respond to the voice of God. The drug addict must respond to the voice of God. That person, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl who is bruised and hurt. And, and, and you've heard this saying that hurt people hurt people. That person must respond to the voice of God. And so at this point, Scripture says that he who was bound came out. So Lazarus, just imagine, everybody around, just like how y'all are right now, before the stone was rolled away, all of you guys were out here crying and, and weeping and feeling so sorry for yourselves. And I wish I could have told Lazarus that he was a really nice person before he died and, and I should have done more and it should have been me. I, I could have helped more. And everybody's dealing with all this weeping and crying and they got the key right in the middle of them. They got the resurrection and the life right in the presence, but they are all continuing to cry because they are denying his presence and his power. They are ashamed because of the situation speaking. And now fear is the roadblock that they are coming into. Lazarus is coming out the tomb. And I can imagine him just hobbling. Because I don't care what your situation is. We got one leg and a kickstand. If God called you, you're going to make your way to that voice. If God called you, you're going to hear him. We hope this has been a blessing. Join us live on Sundays via Zoom. Service starts at 12.45 p.m. The login number is 314-720-8880. Feel free to call that number for prayer or text the word connect there to grow with us. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. Until next time, take care.